Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Full Court Press. Uh, today we get into our very first episode of the season. Really excited to get into it with you guys. Uh, we talk about Wemby, of course. Talk about some Dame Lillard on the Bucks and his little duo with Giannis. One of the scariest teams in the league. And uh, a bunch of other stuff. Some observations, some overreactions, and uh, just a bunch of stuff that we're going to get into. Of course, the Kings, man. But um, yeah, we appreciate y'all joining us for the first episode of the Full Court Press. And let's get right into it. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Full Court Press, brought to you by your hosts, Enoch and Angus. We're back. It's a brand new season. We got a brand new logo and a brand new theme song. We're just really excited to kick it off. Let's let's get into it. Yeah, let's get right into it. Um, let's talk about what everybody's talking about right now. The seven foot five phenom. Most hype prospect since LeBron James. We finally got to see a couple games from him. Angus, what are your takeaways? I mean, just just look at the way he moves on the court. Like he, I like one thing I like about him is that he absolutely runs the floor, and then he tries to get every single rebound possible just because he's the tallest player on the court. But seeing him run is is so funny because he he moves at a crazy speed at his size, and it's just like an alien floating on the court. Yeah, and the first game. Got into a little bit of foul trouble, so didn't get to play as much as we would like to see because it was a nationally televised game. Only uh, 23 minutes, the lowest amongst the starters. But he still put up 15 points, two assists, five rebounds, and a couple blocks. Um, this guy, they have him at the four, which is interesting. Because, But I think it's better because, one, Zach Collins is not little. Um, he looks like barely four inches shorter than Victor when they stand next to each other. So this guy is close to seven foot um, and can play the five uh, today against the Rockets was guarding Shangun the entire game. This this allows Victor to play off ball and really helps him on the defensive side because if you're driving, even if you don't see him, you know he's somewhere. And that, that's got to give you such a like a a fear to just put a layup up. Yeah, Even I agree, and I, I see the vision of how they're using Victor on defense, kind of like how the Bucks use Giannis, how the Grizzlies use Jaron Jackson. Like teams, modern teams nowadays, they like to have this this freakishly tall, freakishly athletic roamer that kind of acts as like the free safety. And while the, they have a traditional rim protector like Zach Collins, Brooke Lopez, and Steven Adams, like protect the paint and stop like other interior threats. Yeah, um, we, we talked about it a little bit before. Um, Jeremy Sohan at the point guard uh, came into the league, I think, as a power forward. Quickly, uh, Popovich recognizes his handle, his ball handling ability, and his ability to play make as a as a big. Um, I I don't know. I don't really like. I think the fact that you already have so much height on the floor, and Victor is still a prospect. Um, I don't know. I, I feel I, it kind of confused me. But uh, you do you like it? You said you liked it before they started playing. Um, after seeing a little bit, what do you what do you think? Do you, do you still like it? Yeah, I like it. I mean, people are acting like Victor is the only project pick on the Spurs. Jeremy Sohan is a project pick too, and he was just drafted last year. The Spurs yeah. like to like to play their young guys early, get them some valuable experience, and then see what they can develop. Like they did the same thing with Kawhi Leonard. Kawhi Leonard, I think, was in his second or third season in the league, and he was already guarding LeBron James in the finals. 
I mean, Popovich likes to throw his rookies into fire sometimes, especially if they're a high overall pick. And let's not forget Sohan. He was a one and done in Baylor, and he's not even from America. I believe he's from uh, Switzerland or Germany. And like uh, the Spurs drafted him purely from potential. They saw this six nine raw athletic guy sitting on the bench at Baylor, being a super energetic six man, and he has serious length. He has serious athleticism, and um, you can see the IQ in him. Like. The Spurs offense will take care of itself, but Sohan is able to get the Spurs into their sets, and he's a very tall guy. He's tall for his position, 6'9", so he can see over defenders and make those great entry passes to Wemby or uh, maybe even hand the ball off to Vassell or Keldon Johnson on a handoff in the pinch post. Yeah, Vassell is having a is going to have a crazy year. Uh, now that Victor is uh, on their team, a lot more national notoriety, attention, and and Victor, Victor is going to let the world know basically that Devin Vassell is the best player on this team, um, skill wise. Victor, Victor is is he's a freak of nature. There's nothing you can do about that. But if you're talking about a guy that's ready to make that next leap, definitely in my opinion, uh, most improved player candidate, even even this early. I think he was he Wait. had 25 points today, uh, led the team to a win. Um, He's just a very solid player. I think the system has created this guy that doesn't need to put the ball on the floor too much, has a great shot, knows his spots. Um, Imagine if a guy like Vassell was on the Rockets. Who knows? His fucking career could be over in like three years. But thank God he landed on the Spurs. His his potential is, is starting to – you're starting to see it and how good this guy can really be. But what you said about yeah. um, Sohan, yeah. it, it's interesting today. Uh, down the stretch, besides like the last possession where they wanted, uh, where they had a jump ball, down the stretch and in overtime, Sohan was not playing, and it was Ty- Trey Jones that was running the point guard. And uh, this is something that I said to you um, earlier. I just thought, I just thought that it, it was better to have Trey Jones because he gets downhill. He's a smaller guy, so he can get downhill a little easier. Doesn't and and is a great passer. Um. It's going to be interesting to see what they do with Sohan, but in my opinion, and the fact that Trey Jones, like, they were trying to win this game, obviously, and the fact that Trey Jones was playing down the stretch and not Sohan, I think that says a lot. Sohan's inability to shoot, uh, I know he hit a a three last game, but his inability to shoot, and I think the quickness Trey Jones brings to the floor is just just better as a point guard. I think Sohan, if you, if Trey, if, if you had Zach Collins, knockdown shooter and Keldon Johnson knockdown shooter Vassell is a knockdown shooter and Victor is kind of like he went over six for today from the three so it's like he's he can shoot we know this but he's not a shooter an NBA caliber shooter yet yeah. okay Zach Collins is knocked down but he went over seven today too no Trey I said Jones I said I said three. if Zach Collins was knocked down I wasn't saying Zach Collins is knocked down oh yeah okay okay I, I didn't no. want you to get our viewers misconstrued no 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 no, no, no. I'm saying if Zach Collins was more like a Jaron Jackson, you know, then maybe I understand the Sohan thing. But he's not, clearly. And and Victor is still working on his shot. And Keldon is Keldon is what do you think? I don't really consider him a great shooter. I think he's he's a pretty good shooter. I mean, he had a down year last season, but he shot nearly forty percent on about five attempts per game. That's not bad. Uh, a couple seasons back. And he was, and I think he was making like two, two, three pointers a game, shooting thirty eight percent. I mean, but Popovich, 
when he wants to win games, he'll put his best strategic lineup out. Mm. And then uh, Tyus Jones was there just because uh, they could not handle Fred VanVleet all night. Fred VanVleet mm. finished with 24 points, 8 rebounds, 12 assists. The quickness was getting to Sohan. And, you know, Sohan is essentially a 20-year-old, a 20, 21-year-old still learning to play in the NBA. It's true. And they, they needed Trey Jones and his veteran. I mean, it's funny to say, but Trey Jones is a veteran. He's he's in his mid-20s. Mm-hmm. And like when you you when you use a lottery pick on um, Sohan, I think you're definitely gonna want to start him next to your other lottery pick. I see the vision. Like we have four first rounders from the Spurs in the past couple of drafts, several drafts. I mean, going back to 2019 with Keldon Johnson, and they just want to get their young talent all on the court at the same time with one veteran and Zach Collins, who can help protect Victor Wembanyama from taking so many shot attempts at the rim. Yeah. What do you think, Spurs playoff team? Spurs <laughs> or top? Well, let's talk team. about like even top ten on the in the West. A top ten? I think I could see them vying for a playoff spot, but I mean they have. I think they're they can be considered veterans now. I think Keldon Johnson can be considered a veteran. He's on his second contract. So is Devin Vassell and Zach Collins is a veteran. Trey Jones is a veteran. They got these veteran pieces that are still kind of young, but have been in the NBA long enough to know what it takes to win. So I wouldn't see them surprised, like creeping up to that 10th seed, maybe get around 37 to 39 wins this season. But ultimately, I do see Wemby being a vastly different player than what we see him right now. I mean, I think the last, the last uh, seven minutes of that Dallas game showed what he is. He has that dog in him. He would, First play of the game after coming back in due to foul trouble, he, he has to pull up three over Maxi Kleba or Derek Lively, one of those two. But the, the his ability to get a shot up over anyone and even the dribble moves is kind of KD-like. Yeah. It's it's pretty scary. Uh, even when his shot isn't falling, um, he still went 7 for 19 from the field, going 0 for 6 from 3. So you take away those three-pointers, he went 7 for 13 in – inside the arc which is really efficient uh also hit the game tying he, he game tying shot for the post up to send in the ot and, and had a couple bucks in overtime as well to help them win the game this guy is this guy i don't think he's one of these guys that just wants to sit and watch his team lose it's it's hard to think that unless victor gets hurt like he's just not gonna want to sit out. He just he's too much of a competitor. He's too much of a professional. He wants to win. He thinks he can win. He thinks he can lead this team to to the playoffs. Um, mm-hmm. it just this the guy, his character, everything about him. What is not to like? And then you watch him play. It, it I, sometimes like I have to like blink twice when I see him in his frame on the on the screen. It just these guys are six eight, six seven, six three. Everyone on the floor is tall as shit, but Victor looks taller. Like, Victor looks tall. You know how tall you have to be to look tall amongst the tallest people in the world? Like, that's crazy, bro. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, I mean, I feel like he would look taller if he didn't have that hunch all the time. He does But anyways, hunch, but- I mean, when Wemby gets a lot of love from us just because he's a first overall pick. I mean, this is probably our first time seeing a talent like this come into the league. But I just, I just want to know in the first the first beginning stages of this NBA season, what other things have you observed so far? Um, before we get to that, I just do want to say something about his hunch. Uh, you lo- you Guys, if you watch 
tall guards, even if you lodge small guards, uh, the be, the ability to be compact and become smaller than you really are is a very valuable tool when you are a ball handler. And Victor, his ability to be, go from 6'5", sorry, 7'5", to 6'10", when he has the ball, that is a skill. And and that allows him to become smaller and, and have less room for error when he dribbles the ball. So that, that's a very deliberate thing that he does. Uh, you look, you watch Shea Gildress, Cade Cunningham. When they're on the floor, they look six five because they're com- they're always hunched over. They're always bent down. They're low to the ground. Um, Josh Giddy, every all any guard that's just tall. Um, just an observation. I just want to let you guys know it's not that he has a slouch. It's years and years of constant um, of practicing becoming small when you have the ball. Trust me. Um, but what you said, observations, um, couple observations I had, um, how about you go first, dude? (laughs) Sorry. For me, I mean, this is going to be on this defending champion Denver Nuggets team. I was watching a play in their opening night against the Lakers and it doesn't even look like they lost a single step. Even yeah. with losing, I think I think a lot was being made about them losing the bench pieces this summer, mm-hmm. with Bruce Brown going to the Pacers, Jeff Green getting still getting minutes with the Rockets at his age, uh, but Christian Braun is stepping into his role nicely. Even Zeke Nanji is stepping into his role nicely, and this team, the defense looks way better than last year's defense. I yeah. felt like the Lakers, Lakers, a lot of times had no way to respond to the Denver's defense, especially when LeBron went out. Uh, the, the Nuggets absolutely jumped out to a lead uh, once LeBron went to went to the bench. And this team looks like it's primed to take, I don't know, maybe another consecutive trip to the finals. Uh, yeah, I mean, out of all the teams I've watched so far, I haven't watched every team. Um, I wouldn't even say most. But out of all the teams I've watched, the Nuggets look the most com- composed. And maybe that's because <laughs> they were playing the – they played the soonest since besides all the other teams, besides – uh. Um, the heat um but the nuggets look good like you said aaron gordon hasn't lost a step michael porter jr just does his role and still looks good and then Jokic and jamal murray just still one of the top two duos in the league um i do want to ask though do they look better because they played the lakers Because today they only they beat the Grizzlies by one hundred four by four points. It was one hundred eight to one hundred four. Had a good game, but it wasn't nearly as impressive as their their home opener. You know, Jokic only had 22, 12, 12 and seven. Um, Porter at nine. Uh, Murray had twenty two. Was like it was a pretty low scoring game to today's NBA standards. Uh, uh, I guess it's a two part question. One, do you think it was because they were playing the Lakers? And two. How how do you like the Lakers so far? Because I have an opinion yeah. on that. Okay, so that kind of leads into my second observation, but I'll I'll address your point on the on the Nuggets. I mean, they did play a way better defensive team today, but I I think it is because they did play against the Lakers, and you know there was a lot of stuff going on in the off season between Michael Malone and the Lakers. And plus, it was a home game for the defending champions. Like, this is their first game stepping up, defending their championship ring that they won several months ago. 
you have to show out in front of your home fans against the team that talked the most shit against you. Right, but on and, the flip side, this is the team, if you're the Lakers, that swept you. So, and, and, and you have the whole ring ceremony in the beginning of the game. You see that whole thing. Don't you want to win this game, like, really bad? I, I think, I mean, look at Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis coming out in the first half looking like a man on a mission. Looking he did. Like, he was tired of all the disrespect. I mean, he only had one rebound in the first half, but then in the second half, he just flat out disappeared. Yeah. Like, flat out disappeared. And I just hate, I just hate the fact that the Lakers insist on starting Anthony Davis at center. And it just doesn't make sense to me because if the Spurs can get Wemby at center, if the Bucks can get Giannis at center, even the Grizzlies got got Jaron Jackson Jr. at center, then why is Anthony Davis, at his talent, at his size, still forced to play center? I'm not asking that the Lakers, like, stop playing at center completely. I think that maybe if he only played center, like, 15 to 20 minutes a game, that would that would definitely help the Lakers out, especially if they got, like, a like a spacing center that can shoot threes. Mm-hmm. I agree. Uh, One thing I will say about his his – his diff- the difference in performances between the, his first half and his second half, he looked really tired. And, mm. like, I know what a tired basketball player looks like. Just just body language and the things that you do and the things that you don't do speaks volumes on how, how in shape you are. And, he, and everyone's seen the AD working out videos and Darvin Ham and, and – um, Phil Hart, Phil Handy saying, "Oh yeah, he's been in the gym, he's been grinding and all that stuff." But I mean, you you only see what you see. You we don't see everything. Mm-hmm. We don't know how hard this guy's been working. And and from what I've seen, he looks out of shape. Even the game yesterday against the Suns didn't really look that great and played amazing in like the first 6 Six minutes of the game looked like, oh, AD's back. AD's going to do this. This That lasted literally six, seven minutes. And then the end of the first quarter, the first quarter looks like just completely, utterly gassed. And I even told um, Aaron, I was watching the game with him, and I was like, he looks freaking tired. He looks tired. We were, And I look at the quarter. It's the first quarter. And I'm like, like damn. Like so, maybe this is something that just has to happen in the beginning of the season for him to get his um, his energy back up. But man, this it's really disappointing when you come into the season. It, LeBron is thirty eight years old. He's twenty one years into the league. He doesn't want to be the number one option anymore. He wants to be a really good number two, and he wants AD to finally take control. And it sucks when a thirty eight year old has to put you on his back and win the game for you. Two times, like, not, not, sorry, they lost, but against the Suns last night, two nights ago, that's what he did. Hit, like, three straight clutch layups in the fourth quarter to, t- to win the game. And where was Anthony Davis? You're right. I mean, but then he made it up for it in the Suns game. I mean, finished with 30 points. I saw that game, hit some clutch free throws down the stretch. And that kind of leads to my second observation about the Lakers so far like mind you this is still the beginning of the season but I think the Lakers have so many questions I mean we saw we saw Austin Reeves have a good playoff series but I feel like his Darvin Ham's not using him correctly to start off the season like there's a lot more D'Angelo Russell getting involved even though that's the player that they shunned in the playoffs 
uh, Gabe Vincent isn't playing like Miami Heat Gabe Vincent, even though his role is still extremely similar. Mm-hmm. Christian Wood, surprisingly, was being used as the primary defensive assignment on Kevin Durant, and he did yeah. he did a pretty good he did he a pretty did. good job. He did. That was the thing that surprised me. If Christian Wood is able to defend players like Kevin Durant, Why can't and then AD? you still have Anthony Davis protecting the rim, that that could be something that the Lakers use. Yeah, but Definitely. for a team that that many people had as their top five contenders. Like this team looks like it has far more questions than answers. I don't think and that's not something. At all. I mean, this this is baseball. Everybody said, I mean, the NBA NBA is extremely hyping up the Lakers, uh, but I do think they have a lot more questions, especially when Anthony Davis does pulls a game one again where he absolutely shrinks. When LeBron is supposed to have a minutes restriction, according to uh, Darvin Ham, uh, twenty eight to thirty minutes, and that's another question I have for the Lakers, like. How are you going to manage to play LeBron James only 28 to 30 minutes a game? Mm-hmm. When he goes to the bench, the Lakers allow these huge runs. The offense gets slow and sloppy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anthony Davis looks like he's incapable of running an offense by himself. And that's so that's so ironic because I feel like a skilled big man like, his, like him would like thrive in this era of NBA offense when you see Jokic, Sabonis, uh, Shangun for that matter, being major hubs of offense for their respective teams. I think I think when you say um, that you don't like AD playing the five, but mm. um, history kind of says like AD scores better when he's playing the five. And, and, then, and then you see these games where he's getting bumped and you're like, oh, maybe he should play the four. The thing about Anthony Davis's game wouldn't would you say and I actually want your opinion on this what would you say that his game is kind of similar to Joel Embiid's game I'd say that if you get if you had Joel Embiid's game and you put it in Giannis's body that's what you get from Anthony Davis on the offensive I, end but he still he still has the Giannis defensive instincts the Giannis defensive ability and honestly probably even better defender than Giannis yeah I mean he's a great defender but offensively speaking I think the reason you can't play him at the four and what's different from Wemby is that Wemby can have the ball on the floor and and move you downhill when he has when he's dribbling at you. Faced up like dribbling. Like in the within the flow of the office. A lot of the times when I see Anthony Davis score, it's catch and shoot. It's a lot of like handoffs and then getting the ball in a catch and shoot spot, which is good. But as a four, like if you can't put the ball down the floor from the perimeter like I see a lot of like he'll catch the ball at the three-point line back down his defender from all the way to like the free throw line and then he'll face up and it's just like that's like exactly how Joel Embiid plays and that's like a center position like that's how centers score these days they stay at that free throw line they're they're there a lot they're in the their mid post the low post Standing in the corner three is like the most four thing that he does. And it's just like, I don't know, like people say he should play the four, but I, I agree more on they should get him a real center like a Zach Collins mm-hmm. versus more of he shouldn't be he shouldn't be playing center. Um, I think right now he has to because they don't have a four that's good enough besides you're going to really play Christian Wood and AD together all season. I Like you're, you're not going to get defensive effort from Christian Wood like that every night. Like he showed against the Suns and Jackson Hayes. Let's not forget about Jackson Hayes off the bench too. Do you like him? Are you high on him? 
Uh, I'm not very high on Jackson Hayes. I mean, I don't think he has a lot of NBA-level ready things besides his athleticism. He gets in foul trouble a lot. He tends to jump on fakes a lot. But um, Anthony Davis is more of a four, I feel. But I think that the Lakers' offense opens up way more when he's a five. But still mm, yeah, no excuse exactly. for the Lakers for not for not abiding by his wishes to play at the four. Because if Giannis only rarely plays center, like Giannis doesn't play 30 minutes a night at center. They have Brooke Lopez for that. Yeah. I was, yeah, exactly. They can do that because they have Brooke Lopez. Um, speaking of the Bucks, we've gotten 23 minutes into this podcast without talking about Damian Lillard. Uh, let's just say, lived up to everything. Every hype, every overreaction, every, everything. Like, he lived up to it. 33 points. Um, it, it was like the fourth quarter was the Damian Lillard show, show. It was just like, oh, my God. It's so crazy seeing him do this in in green and white. It's insane. Yeah, and that's that's kind of like my third observation. I noticed, I noticed that, especially in crunch time in the past, the Bucks' offense would get really stagnant. And Drew Holiday is not always the best self-creator. Mm-hmm. And especially when Chris Middleton was injured, the Bucks' offense looks like it was stuck in mud and lot. It was just giving the ball to Giannis and hoping hoping he can go downhill against three defenders or giving him the ball in the post. But then he, he wasn't as skilled enough as he was this year. I mean, he worked with Hakeem this summer, but I'm not sure if that's going to translate. It doesn't look like it translated well already. But <laughs> my third observation is that the Bucks have instant offense in clutch situations with Dame. Oh, and yeah. that was something that they they struggled with. I mean, he just he just took over in in the final minutes of that Philly game, and then he hit that dagger right over Kelly Oubre, extremely contested shot, and that's just like a, a dynamic of the Bucks offense that we haven't seen, even yeah. even going back to the championship years. If it it, it it was Chris Middleton in that role in that role, but after all his injuries, Chris doesn't look like he has that step, and probably would is better as a third option. Yeah, um, yeah, Dame. That that shot you're talking about, uh, dra- drive on Kelly Oubre, uh, drag on him behind the back, step back from like 30 feet, just splashes it. Like you, you haven't seen any player do that on the Bucks. You haven't seen any player do that besides Curry. Like like no one else can do that besides Steph. And it's just finally. Dame is on the stage where he can get that notoriety throughout the regular season, not just playoffs. And it, it's it's so it's it's oh my god, it's just it's insane, it's insane. Um, I did notice and during the fourth, and that's when you know, the fourth quarter is the closest thing you're going to get to playoff basketball, especially in a close game. And what I saw the Bucks do a lot, almost like every single play, was just the pick and roll of Giannis and Damian Lillard at the top of the key. And I was like, at first, I was like, why the fuck are they? They just, it's just boring to watch. I mean, it's not boring, but it's just like, it's just kind of like the same thing over and over again. I'm realizing the the Sixers can't do shit about it. They cannot stop it. Damian Lillard's getting open layups. Damian Lillard is getting coming off the screen, pulling up from three. Damian Lillard's passing it to Giannis, and then they got Malik Beasley and Pat Connaughton on the corners, so you can't really leave those guys, and you know Dame and Giannis can make those passes. So it's like if, like what they say, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. They spammed the fuck out of that play, and it worked out to them, Worked out for them. I think Damian had close, he double digits in the fourth. It had to be. I mean, 
the dynamic of uh, Damian Lillard and Giannis running that pick and roll, and then Dame handing giving the ball up to Giannis in that short roll where he can make a decision to mm-hmm. attack the rim or pass to an open shooter. Mm-hmm. That's that same dynamic that Steph Curry has with Draymond Green, mm-hmm. and you can see you can see exactly why Damian Lillard after the twenty twenty uh, after the twenty twenty Olympics he wanted a player like Draymond Green on his team because uh. Draymond Green set set good screens and then he can give him a ball on that short roll, and then with that full head of steam, a lot of players are not stopping Giannis. And he's a willing passer as well. So that that wrinkle to the Bucks offense is where I think it's completely unstoppable, just because you have a a Greek freak train coming down the lane, and then you also have to worry about Dame's threat as a shooter, uh, and his his ability to get to the rim, and then his ability to step back for a mid range as well. Yeah, uh, Giannis Giannis had a relatively quiet game too. So give them some time to really perfect this pick and roll and give adrian griffin some time to really figure out this offense too um i think they're still having a question they're still having that question of like their fifth starter malik beasley beasley started these last couple of games i mean they only played one game and um i'm not sure i think they want to see more about marjan bochamp but he's the one that's getting lost on screens and he only got one shot from three i think the bucks really want to see more out of marjan I, I like Malik Beasley at the five. You just got to figure out what to do with him. Like, I was watching the game. One, he only got four shots, which is like, okay. If you're going to play 30 minutes, you know, maybe get more than four shots. But then, like I said, yeah. the int- you go. Yeah, Lillard Lillard took 20 shots. Giannis took 22 shots. I mean, I yeah. mean, you have to assume it's that the happen. rest of the shots is going to Brooke and Chris. I mean, right. you, don't, you always want to give your best players the best shots more shots yeah but I, I guess what i'm saying more is as you can use a guy like malik beasley more efficiently than just hiding him in the mm-hmm. corner because i think mm-hmm. you know um not like the bucks like kcp is that guy that gets lost and just hides in the corner but that's because you have four dudes that can be all-stars so and, and the bucks don't i mean i guess you could argue that um but it just give them time to figure out some more movement besides the uh, that goes that goes well along with this Giannis and, and Dame um, action. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good problem to have to figure out who your, who your worst, who your best five is when your worst player is like a Malik Beasley. That's a good problem to have. And I, I, I definitely I think, think you could see Jay Crowder or Pat Connaughton slide into that fifth spot too. Yeah, for sure. I mean, Jay Crowder, I mean, he looked horrible when he joined the Bucks last season, but now he looks better. He's still he's making his threes again and he's I mean, he's getting more movement than he did in the Suns. They're trusting him to run handoffs, they're trusting him to bring the ball up the floor. I saw him bring the ball up the floor and run a handoff with Giannis and Dame. I mean, it's interesting to see that Adrian Griffin is willing to try new things on offense whereas where Bud we saw like them do the same things just uh, just a quick pick and roll, just just to get mismatch on a post up, but that type of thing got easy to guard in the playoffs, as we saw with uh, the Heat beating the Bucks in our first round last last year. Yeah, um, let's talk about the Sixers a little bit, just just for a little bit. Um, I, I don't think I want to know what you think. I don't think they played good. I don't think they looked good. I think and I don't. I think especially Embiid just looked underwhelming, um, and and I. And here's the, another thing, bro. If you have Kelly Oubre being your second leading scorer and 27 points, does that mean you have to play him? Because he's a fucking defensive liability, man. He looks like he's playing good defense, but he's really not. And it's just this guy just 
makes these little mistakes. Uh, I used to be pretty high on Uber. I used to think he was like a potential all-star, but then you always hating on him. So I start to watch him more carefully. And now I see what you're saying. The little intangibles that win you games, he doesn't do those. He just scores. And, yeah, it, and it, he shows off instead of getting back on defense. He plays the game in a way that's like perfect for social media. Yeah, and 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 I think I think he's a good piece. But you had him guarding he was in that Damian Lillard Giannis pick and roll most of the fourth and he's just getting cooked and i'm just like bro they ran that to pick on kelly Oubre. that's what of you gotta realize yeah um but i think my biggest observation you know Embiid is a mvp so you're gonna see better games from him it's the first game of the year um i think my biggest observation is tyrese maxi 31 points eight assists i think this is the year he makes his first all-star appearance like actually Actually, can you imagine the hate that Harden ha- has for Maxi if he makes an all-star appearance and he didn't? I remember last year, James Harden didn't make the all-star team and he got really salty about that. And I think I read a report earlier this week that um, ever since James Harden didn't make the all-star team last year, that's when he kind of start stopped giving a fuck. Like he he lost a step in his conditioning. He I b- believe he was overweight during that Boston series. And then in the final two games, he just didn't show up. Talk about a guy that, that doesn't that cares about everything but winning. I mean, my observation about this game, about the Sixers and Bucks game, was that the Sixers don't need Harden, but they need a piece to fill in that Harden void. Like whatever James Harden can get you on the open trade market, you put that on the Sixers. I think they're up there to compete with the Bucks and Celtics. Because we see the development of Tyrese Maxey, and we know that Joel Embiid is able to uh, put up MVP numbers as he has been for the past three years. But uh, James Harden not mucking up the offense has allowed guys like Tobias Harris to thrive, guys like Tyrese Maxey to thrive. And then even though you you don't always want it to happen, like Kelly Oubre does provide like a genuine spark off the bench, but you just don't want him playing 32 minutes a game. So that's where like that James <laughs> yeah. Harden piece comes in. He's going to take away some of those minutes from Kelly Oubre. Tobias Harris is going to play less minutes. But ultimately, you're going to get a better product once James Harden is traded. And I do think it's not even an if anymore. I think it's a when. Like They're, they're stopping this guy from boarding the p- team plane. That like, is hilarious. That, that's a crazy story. Imagine him <laughs> just saying, just showing up, I mean, with the team to fly to Milwaukee. Like, hey, guys. And then the security has to escort him off. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he has crumbs in his beard because he's been eating too many uh honey buns oh god bro i'm fucking weak heart yeah i i went through a phase where i hated harden and then i loved harden and then now i'm back to just disliking him like he's just it's just it's just it's kind of sad it's like the whole carmelo thing when he's just like you just see it's an ugly fallout you know it just gets worse mm-hmm. and worse and worse and then just finally it just it's nowhere Yes. So, like, now that we got some of those observations uh, from the early season out the way, I know that you're a man that likes to likes to react in the moment. I know you like to have hot takes. I just want to know in these first couple of days of the NBA, what are some of the biggest overreactions you are having? All right, I got three, and I think you got three too, right? Yeah, I got I got three as well. And I and I have these in order from most outrageous to least mm-hmm. outrageous 
and they're all they're all semi outrageous, but there's ones that are less outrageous than the others. So so what do you want to hear first, bro? <laughs> I let's you know what? Just go crazy. Just give me the your your biggest overreaction. All right. Okay. So you guys know I'm a Damian Lillard fan. And I have had conversations, and we can have this conversation later during the year when the season is more underway. Um, but I think now that Damian Lillard is in Milwaukee, he's in an organization that gets more national, you know, national attention. Um, is this the time? Is this the year where people start arguing who's better, Dame or Steph? Okay, yeah, this is a crazy overreaction. <laughs> Day or Steph? <laughs> oh God! Oh God! Okay. Bro, you told I me you told no. You told me you wanted the outrageous one first, so I gave you the this outrageous is, one first. That's pretty outrageous, and like, oh God. Okay, it's outrageous, but I don't okay, think it's okay. as outrageous as you think. Let me let me be devil's advocate. No, really second, quick, guys. Okay. Guys, I do overreact. I will admit to that. But Angus overreacts to my overreactions to a point to where it's Holy like, sh- no, t- bro, he just shuts me down. Like, I don't, I just be pulling this shit out of my ass. Bro, there's some thought that goes into this. Some. Okay. This guy is, okay, Steph Curry, he won back-to-back MVPs, and he won a ring where he should have won finals MVP, and that's enough to make him like greater than dame all time but okay yeah, are you yeah, talking yeah. about all time or just or just this season i'm, t- okay, I'm talking about this season i'm talking about all time i'm talking about they just the debate starts because there's never been a debate where people are saying dame is better than steph steph curry and and is, i is dame even is dame even better than russell westbrook all time yes no where's <laughs> no. where's westbrook's where's westbrook's ring they both don't have rings, but at least Westbrook. And you know I'm a Westbrook hater. If I'm saying this, if I'm defending Westbrook, that means I do have a valid point. Where's okay? Westbrook has an MVP, and he averages triple double for four straight seasons. Even though I I think those triple double seasons are overrated. Like on his his basketball resume is insane, and it just absolutely topples Dame. But I I just want to hear your thoughts. Like, what's your argument for Dame? Okay. Um, well, one, you're going to start to see the success with the Bucks, So that's going to be what, why the conversation is going to start. And two, this is just coming, this is more of a fan thing for me, but I don't know. I've always, I've always said this and I, and I guess I'll just say it on the fucking pod, bro. But I've always said this and this is, and we've already, I've told you this before, but I always say you put, you put Damian Lillard on the Warriors and you replace him for Steph and you start the dynasty over again. They win just as many rings and, and and maybe more. Maybe they don't blow that 3-1 lead to the Cavs. Maybe Steph has f- five rings now. I mean, maybe Dame and Draymond have five rings. I don't know. I think Steph is a, is a way better shooter than Dame. Oh, they're my both, God. They're, they're both great shooters, but I think Steph is my— Way better shooter? Way better. I think they're one and two in terms of shooting ability at the point guard position— but the shots that I've seen Steph Curry make, the way he's able to change the trajectory of the ball based on the contest, the way that he, I mean, Dame's shot is very smooth, very very flicky. I mean, it looks like it's effortless. But Steph Curry has made some crazy shots when it mattered, bro. So has he, Dame. He, 
In fact, I'll argue that Dame is a more clutch player than Steph. And 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 you know, um, fucking um, recency bias says that Steph is a more clutch player just because the things he's done, winning his winning the title, winning Finals MVP uh, two years ago, and then what he did against us last year. But Damian Lillard has been clutch for years and he's just been hidden on the Blazers he's like he's like he's like Fox two years ago an amazing talent but obviously better than Fox but a talent that is just hidden because they're on a small market team Angus you are one of those people that are going to be convinced when the season gets goes down goes goes on bro I'm I'm telling you and I'm not saying dude this I am not saying that, that Damian Lillard is better than Steph. I'm saying that after this season or during this season, that conversation will be less outrageous. I'm telling you, bro. Well, the only You're argument gonna... I can see to this is in a couple years, I mean, we know that Dame is going to be in Milwaukee for at least three more years, and we know yeah. that Giannis just signed that extension for three more years. If they're able to win two championships out of this, that's when I'll I'll start to give your argument some ground. Okay, but that's the, fair. The, the efficiency numbers I've seen from Steph, the ability to score 30 points per game while still shooting 50, 40, 90 is nuts. Yeah. Is nuts. No, no, that's fair. Um, Dame has the best opportunity he's ever had to win a championship now. And if Dame is as good as I say he is, there's there's no problem. He should win a championship with Giannis as his, as his running mate. There's It just should – it has to happen. They're, they're the favorite in the East. You know, maybe – Personally, right now, I would take the Nuggets over any team just because they just look too good. Mm-hmm. But it's a long season, and anything can happen. Chemistry can be built. There's a lot of new teams with a lot of new players, new coaches, new everything. So give these teams a little bit of time. Only Most teams have only played two games. Let's give these teams a little more time. But that's totally fair. I think if Dame doesn't win a championship in three years, then it's like, okay, that's not an argument at all. But I, I'm telling you, if health um, allows, they're going to be fucking scary, bro. Okay, so, I mean, I really like that overreaction. You got me overreacting to your overreaction. <laughs> so that's how I know it's a good overreaction. All right, but my overreaction is nothing on that level. Mine is just, all right, here, here's my overreaction. I, I mean, I feel like you just absolutely freaking... Just, <laughs> no, just I, I gave you a right choice. Now. I gave you a choice. I told, I said I could do the less one or the, or the, or the more... Outrageous! You said that's you said fuck it. All right, so my my observation is Devin Booker is a motherfucker and he's gonna win that MVP this season. Ooh! I just, I just, I mean, a lot of people have Luca, a lot of people have Jokic winning, especially after winning Finals MVP. But I see D Book in these situations where he has to play like the best player on the court, even with Kevin Durant. I mean, we saw against the the Warriors. Um, the Suns got a lead in the first half, but then the Warriors came back, and then in the fourth, the Warriors were still leading. The Suns are without a point guard. Like, they don't have Bradley Beal, and I don't think that Bradley Beal is going to help their current point guard problems as is. Yeah, but we saw him down the stretch when the game was close, just absolutely take the ball and do whatever he needed to to help his team win. He finished with eight assists, and... I'm not sure if Devin Booker should play point guard full time, but I just know that he should play point guard in crunch time. Mm, I totally agree. I don't think that's I don't think that's outrageous at all. I think last year he was playing to MVP uh, levels. Uh, it's just 
that um, there was other guys that were playing better. But I think at times you see this guy and he looks like the top, one of the best players in the league. And, and then to be on a team with three of the best players in the league and to look like the best player out of those, those three best players says a lot. Uh, and, and, and you look at his demeanor and his confidence and how he carries himself. This guy thinks he's the best player on the court. He knows it. He's a motherfucker, man. That's why I say about that motherfucker because he's still got that, that um, I don't know, I hate to say this, but he has mama mentality. Like his ability to not <laughs> care about the situation that's happening and he just does not care. He, like Kobe did whatever it took to win, even if it meant him playing point guard, even if it meant him just being the a rebounder for his team. He did whatever it took and then Devin Booker gets his shot off. But now after those years of playing with CP3, you can see that tell that CP3 has rubbed off on him just from the way that he's able to draw fouls and then the way that that he he knows these little hacks to get himself open or like knows how to hide these little push offs that I see. Yeah. All right. So what's your I like what's your one. second overreaction? What's your second yeah, overreaction? I like that one. That, I don't think that was that outrageous at all. I think that that could definitely happen. Um, I mean, recency. I mean, your anchor effect ruined my overreaction. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. My second one. This is the second more outrageous one. This might make you really mad. Actually, okay. I wrote this down to make you mad. So okay. we'll see. Um, all right. My second one is Wembenyana is the best spur. Is going to be the best spur since Tim Duncan. Okay, just just from the couple of games that we've seen, or you say talking about in the future. In the future, he's going to become the best spur since Tim Duncan. You know, what? I'm not, I'm not even mad at it because I think he's going to be greater. I gotta I'm gonna take you one up. All right, I think he's going to be greater than Tim Duncan. Damn. And you know how much I love Tim Duncan. If I know how much you know love Tim Duncan. Podcast, I love Tim Duncan. I love Monty Ginobili. I love a lot of players that I love came from the Spurs. Like Tim Duncan, Kawhi Leonard, and Monty Ginobili are some of my top three favorite players to ever watch. Yeah, and I'm surprised Man. you didn't bring up Kawhi. I, I did. I did say Kawhi, right? Monty Ginobili, no, but, Kawhi. Yeah, yeah, but him. I'm surprised you didn't bring up. You're not mad about the ah. fact that. Uh, I feel like he he won one ring without being the number one option, and then he left the Spurs before like they could really get cooking. So yeah, yeah, that's that's so why I, I said Tim I, Duncan. I, I like this one. It's pretty lukewarm because we know that Timmy Duncan had a had a great career, but I think Wembenyama is going to go down as a top ten player of all time. Mm, okay, and that's it, an overreaction it, right there. Bro. That's an overreaction. That's a crazy I, I like when things escalate. All right, all right. But your reaction caused another overreaction. That's why this shit is amazing. This is why overreactions are great. Just, just three days in. <laughs> I love it. All so right, you, so you like here, that one too? My, I, I like that one. Okay, here, right, here's cheers. my overreaction, and uh, I mean, this is not even as lukewarm as yours. Minus a little bit colder. But I think D'Angelo Russell will not finish this season as a Laker. Mm. I, that I, boy gets that moved first, around so much. He does get moved around, and then I think that the Lakers signed him to his contract. It's a very, very team-friendly contract. It's like a three-year contract with the with the or two-year contract with a player option for next year. So mm. it can it can work Something as an expiring contract. Something very easy to move. And just I I know you saw that. I don't know who 
who else saw this, but there was this audio track of LeBron. He was mic'd up, and he was asking D'Angelo Russell to pass on a ball, and D'Lo didn't pass on a ball. And then on the sidelines, in the timeout, D, uh, LeBron was giving D'Angelo Russell a talk saying, hey, when I'm in the high post, give me the ball. It's not just so I can score. It's because I can see everything that's happening. I can see when the help is helping off the corner. I can see if they're just give, single coveraging me so that way I can get all the way to the rim. And D'Angelo Russell just shoots a three. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, you know, once once LeBron gives you that death glare, you know what happens. It's time to, it's time to learn Chinese, buddy. Yeah. I'm I'm learning. Yeah, I don't even have to say that. Yeah, I, I'm just I was gonna say like I'm learning that that the NBA is already full of the best talent, and it's not about who can make a shot. It's about who can make the best play, and then whoever has the best players, but makes the best plays, that's the team that wins. Like the Nuggets. So a team like of fucking Houston Rockets. They have a lot of offensive talent, but they don't make the right plays. They're never going to win. By the way, the Rockets and the Wizards, they still fucking suck, you know? <laughs> they have a whole new team and they fucking suck. Mhm. They still suck. Um, but what's yeah, your, okay. What's your overreaction? No. Yeah. Um, I like that one. All right. All right, mine this one is the least uh, outrageous in my opinion because I think this could really happen. Um, it it is it is a little bit of overreaction, but I think it's very possible. But mm-hmm. uh, my last one is the Orlando Magic will be will finish as a top six team in the East. Oh, I think I think that's a good one, but definitely yeah. not not too much overreacting. And my overreaction I mean, part is the top six part because I could have said top ten, but I feel like that will happen easily. So that's why mm-hmm. I said top six, and that is the overreaction part. Yeah, I think the magic that that's very plausible. I mean, the magic. It seems like Paolo Bancaro isn't having the fastest starts, but it's really only been two games. But they won both of their first games. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they and that's a good sign. And it looks like Franz Wagner. I mean, he had that experience with Germany, and he looks like he he's uh, starting off how he left off in the in the uh, World Cup. I like that. Jonathan Isaac too. Let's not forget about that Jonathan boy. Isaac, Isaac, Isaac. I forgot how good of a defensive player he is. I mean, he had this crazy block on. Um, I, I forgot who it was on. Uh, it was someone on the Rockets. They played in the Rockets. Absolutely blew them out. I know what you're talking and, about though. Yeah. And he stared him down. Yeah, he stared him down. Yeah, I I, I like this team. Um, uh, Cole Anthony, two games back to back, great games. Uh, I don't know what he had the first game, but it was a good game. And today he finished with 18 points in 28 minutes. Um, so maybe Suggs is in trouble of of losing that starting spot. And um, Markel Fultz has been a, a surprise. Like he's not, you know, doing crazy things, but he's healthy. And his mm-hmm. his lowest line, I mean his 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 floor, is a pretty decent NBA player. So I like that the fact that he's healthy, he's playing good. Cole Anthony could slip into that guard role, this takeover sucks. You're you know what you're gonna get from Wendell, you know what you're gonna get, get from Paolo. And Franz is starting to bud into this this NBA star. So I I like the magic. I think that they could finish top six. Um it would be probably like they're two games ahead of the, the eighth seed, but still. Still a solid pick, solid pick. All right. So my my third and final overreaction that isn't too much of an overreaction. Um, I mean, 
for the Hawks' first couple of games. I think Jalen Johnson is a better fit for the Hawks than John Collins ever was. Mm. I like Jalen Johnson's ability to play any single role that you want him to on the basketball court. He is like kind of like Sean Marion, the way I look at him. Just super athletic freak that runs the floor and that um, you can throw him lobs. And he plays defense. He grabs rebounds. And once he grabs a rebound and he starts leading the break, he's dangerous in open court. I like that one. Uh, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, you've been talking to me about Jalen Johnson a lot and I didn't really make that comparison to John Collins, but now that you say it, it does make sense. I, I think he does play that role a little better and he's more versatile in that role, which is, which definitely gives, um, uh, Snyder some, some room to, to play around with. I like that. Yep. All right. So, uh, those are our overreactions so far. In this season, I'm sure we're going to overreact more. Do some more overreactions, especially if you guys like it. But now, I mean, uh, we're recording this on Friday night going into Saturday morning. We just finished watching the Kings-Warriors game. Yes, sir. And I, I think we just got to talk about the Kings season so far. Steph Curry once again put a dagger in our hearts after dropping 50 on us on our home court. I mean, he could not miss a single shot tonight. Had um, 39, 39 points, and he was also a free throw merchant. Must have learned that from Chris Paul. Chris Paul rubbing off on Steph Curry like he did on Devin Booker. 41, bro. God 41 damn. instead of 39? Okay. But but he went toe-to-toe with our clutch player of the year, uh, De'Aaron Fox, who turned it on when it mattered. He did. He turned it up. Like, he really turned it up. It was That was, like, very, very, very impressive to watch. Very um, reminded you of last season. It just, it's just really frustrating, bro, when I just feel like, man, if he just gave us a little bit of that in the third quarter instead of one three-pointer, if he just gave us a little bit of that in the third quarter, we would have been fine. But he we hits a three to start I the like, third. I like the shots he's taking. The three-point shots, he's shooting them with so much confidence now. No, there was a shot in the third that he should not have shot. There was, like, he pumped, and then the guy closed out, and then he still shot it. It was just like, bro. No, I, th- I think that was in the fourth. I'm mistaken. Sorry. But um, your boy oh, yeah, Sasha. Make our comeback. I want to talk about your Sasha. boy Sasha. I don't know. If, I mean, you said before the season he was going to see PT. I said he was going to get around at least 13 minutes a night. And then I went back on it because I heard him preseason. No, you said closer to well. 20. No, don't bullshit me. You said closer to 20 minutes. All right, all right, all right. Now this guy decides to remember his numbers. And, I make <laughs> and then vote. you went back, and then you're like, all right, fine. He'll get at least 10 to 12. That's what you said. Yeah. But I really do think that Mike Brown should experiment running with him at center. It's clear that we're not going to be a good defensive team. And I don't know why Mike Brown expected us to be. I mean, I'm sure he expects improvement, but just given the lack of defensive players on this roster, especially Kevin Herter, who seemed like he got lost so many times, got beat back yeah. door by Andrew Wiggins, lost Steph Curry, Clay Thompson on some screens. Also, uh, um, the, zero points as a starter. Zero points as a starter, and I don't think he's made a three pointer, or maybe he's only made one to start the season. And that's so vastly different compared to how he started the season last year. Absolutely on fire. He's shooting right. 10% from three. 10%. <laughs> yeah, I, that's that's another thing. Um, I think that, that that position is up for grabs now. 
wouldn't you say? You have Malik Monk. You have Chris Duarte. You have uh, uh, Colby Jones. Like, there is a lot of talent that we didn't have last year that can move into that starting lineup and get more minutes. And Harder played 15 minutes today. It wasn't a fun 15 minutes to watch. Like, he just did nothing. Uh, and Duarte didn't play too great either. He played 26 minutes and only had four points. And went 0 for se- 1 for 7 from the field. And committed six fouls while trying to guard Steph Curry. I like the physicality, but the refs are not giving him any respect. Yeah. He, he's Chris Duarte. It's his third year in the league. He just, no one knows who the hell he is. Um, and Davion, only 10 minutes. Zero points. It's unacceptable. Yeah. Like, like, you can't have your three guards off the bench. Or, sorry, Herter, Duarte, and Davion. When it combined, let me just do the math real quick. Fucking, okay, 1 for 9 plus the 0 for, 0 for 5. Oh, 1 for 14 from the three of them. And they played over 40 minutes combined. 1 for 14. Mm-hmm. 40 minutes of the game, 1 for 14. That just it just can't happen. And I'm not, and I'm, I didn't forget, I didn't fucking forget about you, Harrison Barnes. 33 points in the home opener, and he comes back and drops 10 points in 30 minutes. One for yeah, four from the free throw line. Like, I, I I didn't forget about you, Barnes. Also, the first the first game, uh, we're not gonna see. You won't see a better game from Harrison Barnes ever again. Like, you will not see a better game from Harrison Barnes. I just want to get that out the way, you guys. And before you start thinking Harrison Barnes is a fucking all star this season and, and going to average twenty two points for us, you will not see a better first half. You won't see a better half, let alone game from Harrison Barnes ever again ever again he he does this once every like six or seven games i feel and then but the it's just vastly different because you'll have like a 25 to 30 point per game and then he'll back it up with like an eight to ten point game i mean six to eight six to ten point game and the thing is i've noticed this team is really bad at rebounding (laughs) i mean you didn't notice that last year the warriors the warriors exposed this again i think demontis sabonis is a good uh, defensive rebounder just because he can hustle, but in terms of just boxing out Kevon Looney, he is not. He is losing that battle on the boards. It seems like Looney was able to get his ball, get his hand on the ball every possession, and then that led to um to uh, those timely possessions for the Warriors. I mean, on, on the on the box score, it's gonna say that the Warriors uh that the Kings out out rebounded the Warriors, but just from watching the game, like those little tips that lead to like open threes, that that does more damage than grabbing yeah. more defensive rebounds yeah and, and we brought in JaVale and I like I like JaVale I've changed my mind I like JaVale on the Kings but you know he, he he didn't he's not getting a lot of minutes he's not gonna be on the floor too long because you have to place a bonus so um he's not gonna do he's not gonna change a whole lot you know something that scared me bro I was listening to the mismatch and Kevin O'Connor said something about Sabonis he said the Kings will never win a championship as Sabonis with Sabonis as our center and I started to think, and I'm like, man, he might be right. <laughs> he might I, be right. I see his limitations because he's supposed to be this inside dominant center, but then he seeing missed him a lot miss, of layups tonight. He missed, missed a lot, a lot, of, lot layups. of layups tonight. Yeah. And seven for fifteen from a player that only shoots inside the paint. Yeah. That's kind of sad. It's terrible. I mean, I I I like to see that he's basically twenty twenty and seven tonight. But then it's like the mid range. I wish he had that mid range. I wish I wish the three point 
uh, the three-point training that he did with Lethal Shooter actually translated to games. But again, we are Kings fans that are just overreacting after a tough, tough loss to swallow at the hands of the fucking Warriors. Jesus. No, at the hands of Steph Curry. Let's get it right. Steph Curry, who went seven for ten, forty-one points. I was watching five this shots. game with. I was watching this game with my friend Connor. The fact that he scored forty-one points on nineteen shots. Nineteen shots. So he's scoring over two points per shot. Yeah, that's. Uh... He missed five shots. Five shots. But uh, I mean, what what are you liking from the Kings so far this season? Okay, it's hard to say after that game, but I did watch the Jazz game, and we looked really good. We looked, we came out the gates composed. We looked like we sh- we looked better than the Jazz. You know, you can just tell they're just more. They make the better plays. Yes. They're more focused. They're better defensively. They're better with the intangibles. And it just looked like this is how we were supposed to look like last year, every game. But there was mm-hmm. there was some games where, like last year, I remember playing the Jazz, fucking went down to the wire. You know, De'Aaron Fox had to hit a game-winning layup. You know, Laurie Markin almost .2 seconds away from hitting a game-winner against us. And not this time. And I love it. it. We came out the gate. We took care of business. We beat a team we were supposed to beat, and it wasn't even a question. And I love that. But then there, yeah, I think that's, it, that's that's a good point you touch on. Like we look better than the teams that we're supposed to be better than, but we're still struggling to beat the teams that are that are considered to be great. Yeah, and I, I it's really hard because I think I think Steph has something against us. I don't know what the fuck it is, but like Steph loves playing us, and so maybe when we play, I want to. I'm waiting to see us play another good team. Um, because if Steph had 25 tonight, which is still a good game, like we would have been in that game, all game. So, well, you, you're you're in luck because the Kings play the Lakers on Sunday. Oh yeah, that should be a dub. If we lose to them, we're gonna have to have a conversation. But uh, I like the way we look. It's really hard to say after two games, anything has changed. I hope I hope we are better. If anything, uh. One thing I didn't like, bro, I didn't like Malik only getting 18 minutes, bro. I didn't like that he didn't play in the fourth. It, it just, why? Like, I don't get that. I didn't get it last year. I still don't get it this year with how good he played in the playoffs last year. I just, I, I don't understand. Like, why are you playing Duarte over Malik Monk when he has one for seven? And he's like, I, how does Duarte get 26 minutes and Monk has 18? I just don't understand that. You can't explain that to me. That will ever make sense. I, I, do you, I think do you, that's, that's, that's the key flaw with Mike Brown's philosophy. Like, in the preseason, all the sound bites that we're hearing from practice is that Mike Brown's emphasizing physicality and that physicality is going to be the first step to making a good defensive team. But, Mike, this team is not going to be a good defensive team because we don't have defensive players. If you're just adding one one hustle player that's physical, all he's going to do is get us, get in foul trouble, and we saw that so many times. Chris Duarte had fouls that sent Steph Curry to the free throw line four times. And Malik mm. Mike, I think... He offers a nice, interesting wrinkle to the offense, especially when Herder and Duarte aren't making shots. And I think that maybe if we didn't play Barnes and we play like Sasha again, then we could have we could have closed out the game way stronger, especially on offense when we were like within five. And our our offense, I mean, our offense was just De'Aaron Fox taking over in the fourth. 
but he did kick out to his players because the Warriors are bringing hard double teams on him. And I felt like Keegan Murray was open for a shot. Uh, Barnes was open. And then Sabonis missed a couple of gimmies. And I feel like our big-time shot makers are Malik Monk. And then I think Sasha has a great ability to make shots. We saw that in their yearly highlights before he got before he got signed by the Kings. I think we have a lot of shot makers on our team and that maybe if Mike Brown can change his philosophy to just try to win a game and then focus on talking about defense later that day in practice, then we could have won this game against the Warriors. Yeah. So you're saying buy in, just just completely just go all in on your offense and, and worry about the defense later. I mean, yeah, but at the end of the day, we lost our words because we just could not get a stop against Chris Paul with his goddamn mid-range shots and then Steph Curry. But I felt like De'Aaron Fox needed more help on offense than he did on defense. Like the, the Warriors and Kings, 122 to 114. That This was a shootout. It's going to be the team who shot more shots, who shot, who made more threes that was going to win. We missed a lot of open shots today. We did, but I also noticed that the Warriors were um, closing out harder on threes, trying to run us off the line. We started the game shooting eight, uh, eight of 16 from three. We finished shooting 12 of 40. So we went four, four of uh, 24 in the final half of the game. Four of 24 yeah. compared to eight, eight for 16. This is a good, we are a good matchup for the Warriors. Um, we're not very tall. The Warriors are not very mm-hmm. tall either, and um, it's offenses versus offenses. And I think um, Chris Paul brings a great dynamic to this team. It's like a guard Draymond. Yes, and, that's exactly what I was thinking too. But can score like in the perimeter. So I, I think what's interesting is when Draymond comes back, how that's going to affect Chris Paul's role. Is Chris Paul going to become more of a scorer? Is Draymond going to become more of a just a exclusive screener slash lob threat, and he's going to be at the end of Chris Paul's passes? That could be interesting to see. Um, who's going to be that fifth guy that slips out of the starting lineup when Draymond comes back? Is it going to be Looney? Is it going to be Wiggins? Is it going to be Clay? Is it going to be Chris? For sure, it's not going to be Steph. But or or maybe Draymond comes off the bench. Who knows? I, I think it's is it, are they going to be he did better that in the with playoffs? He did that yeah, in the playoffs. Yeah. You know, but that came after uh, he was suspended or whatever. Yeah, so that's kind of different. But I, I think when you, it's are they going to be better with Draymond and Chris Paul together? That's the question that I'm waiting to see because yeah, with two guys that are really good passers, you put two of those guys together. Do you have um, two one guy too many? You know, maybe mm-hmm. you need a, a score. So or are they just going to? You know, start Chris Paul and, and and Draymond together, and then throughout the game interchange them. You know, well, I think Chris Paul is just a straight up basketball player. He knows how to play with any team, and I think that he's one of those players that absolutely raises the floor of any team. And I think that having him off the bench is a great idea, just because um, last season the off on numbers with when War uh, when Steph Curry sat on the bench, the Warriors were absolutely horrible when he was on the bench. Because there was no one that was facilitating the offense, and was also being a threat to score, and since Chris Paul is a threat to score while also still uh, able to conduct an offense, that adds a wrinkle to the Warriors bench mob. Because I feel like any you can put any four guys around Chris Paul, and he's going to be able to elevate all of their games. 
Yeah, he's he's really good in the half court. He just every time he has yeah. the ball, it's going to be like there's a good chance somebody's going to score. Uh, the the funniest usually- thing is that is that like many people thought that Draymond was going to be this veteran presence to help bring Moody and Patrick Baldwin and Kuminga along <laughs> and pull along, but <laughs> the the Warriors brought in brought in Chris Paul because Draymond liked to teach with his fist. <laughs> and Chris Paul is able to teach teach these youngins how to play basketball. <laughs> I'm weak. I I think they're better without Jordan Poole and with Chris Paul. Personally, I think they're better. Yeah, yeah I mean, we saw this again in the Kings and Warriors game. Um, the Warriors basically let the Kings back in the game by playing sloppy. But then once the Kings got too close and the Warriors were a little bit scared, they, do you know who they gave the ball to? They gave the ball to Chris Paul to make these decisions, to make everyone around them better and to not blow this lead. And it's funny because we've known Chris Paul for blowing leads in the past, but now he's he's a person that the Warriors are going to rely on to help keep their lead. It's like a perfect role. It's like having a coach on the floor. And, uh, and, and things that people forget, Chris Paul can score, man. So you're going to have games where he has 26 points. And if you don't guard him like a scorer, then he's going to score. But if you guard mm-hmm. him and and if and when you do guard him as a scorer, that's when he makes plays for others. So that's yes. why he's fucking scary. Uh, I think he's going to be really good for the Warriors because there's going to be a time where it's like, oh, you know, Chris Paul's only, only averaging nine points a game. Let's sag off of him. Okay, you do that. He's going to fucking make you pay. He made some. He didn't shoot a lot of shots, but he made some tough shots today. Um, some that made you scratch your head. But yeah, I, I I like I like Chris Paul on the Warriors. It's good. It's it's good. It's a good pickup for sure. I'm I'm glad we agree on that. I I, I felt like we could agree on that because we both we both kind of agree with like having a second coach on the floor and that Jordan Poole just. I mean, we see the quotes from Jordan Poole now. He says that. Now he has no pressure on him to win. He can just be him. I mean, we're glad he's yeah, happy. No pressure to it, win, so they're not going to win. <laughs> yep. He's, he's just like Kuzma. They're terrible, man. They 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 played the Pacers, and then the Rockets opened their their season up by playing um, the Magic. And like I said before, how both of those bad teams are still fucking bad. Those teams, the Pacers and the and the Magic. Bro, you know how we said in our last podcast how those two teams could make a statement this year? They look really good, and and that could definitely happen. They they look really poised. The Pacers were having fun against the Wizards, man. They were throwing lobs. They were jumping up and down. Obi Toppin was catching dunks. Like, Pacers look good. The Pacers look really good. So, um, yeah, I, w- I want to see the Pacers play a decent team. I think they play today. I think they play. Or they do it, did they? Well, yeah, I, I think that um, we covered most of our bases for for these opening moments of the NBA season. Anything else that that you think of so far before Billy we close this off? Nah, it's really early in the season, so we're gonna have a little bit more to talk about next time we uh, have a podcast, which will be next week. Um, yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed this podcast today. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna let y'all go. We had a great time. First episode of the season. Uh, we were very excited to get this season underway, bro. I'm excited too. More content coming out for you guys. Yes, sir. We appreciate y'all. We'll let y'all go. Have a great rest of your night or day, whenever you're listening to this. We appreciate y'all for listening. Peace.
Peace.